As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Andy Staple Show. Happy Friday. Happy Super Bowl weekend. It's going to be a great weekend. Why? Because you're getting thrust into the weekend with Ari Wasserman. And lots to talk about with Ari. And a couple of his favorite topics. Uh, One, the importance of recruiting. And we'll talk about that relative to the Auburn job. Two, where people like to live. Ari is fascinated by this topic. And people get really mad at him about it. Ari, And there's a third, I think, Andy. Are we talking about Buffalo? Oh, Yes. We are talking about wings. That's exactly right. I had I made a public service announcement for everybody who's getting ready for the Super Bowl. We'll 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 run that because I want to make sure all of you are adequately prepared for the Super Bowl and that you're enjoying it as much as possible. But yeah, well, let's get started with Auburn. Now we are recording this Thursday afternoon. At this point, we don't know much more than Brian Harson showed up at the SEC coaches meeting in Birmingham. Our friend Alex Scarborough from ESPN took a picture of the back of his head. He went in a back door. Lane Kiffin went in a back door. The other 12 coaches went through the front door. That's what we know. Why didn't Brian Kelly show up on a horse? He should have. Or just with that, that little turntable thing that they take the, the TikTok videos on. Like that would be awesome. Something to he prove do a that TikTok video with Greg Sankey that he's truly Southern. If so he if he were, it, if he were would, to show up at the SEC media days and proven that he's truly a Southern boy, what would be the perfect automobile to show up in? A truck? F one fifty? Yeah, yeah, an F one fifty with mud all over it. Of course, <laughs> no, not on a horse. Like I think the. the the problem with the accent before was he he was trying to sound like Leonardo DiCaprio in Django Unchained. Like that, we can't have that. That that is not an actual Southern accent that, that anybody recognizes. So no, yeah, just show up in a muddy fifteen year old F one fifty, and I think your bona fides are, are set there. Yeah, so yeah. I don't. Well, well, he he's you know he's a he's a little bit older, so maybe he goes the platinum F one fifty. That is nice and clean because that is a, a southern gentleman of his age. That's what they're what they're whipping right now. My buddy has a King Ranch, and I knew nothing about trucks before I moved to Texas. That King thing Ranch is, is nice. luxurious. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, the the the, the leather on the seats of the King Ranch. Whew. You 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 probably will just sit there smelling them instead of actually doing anything. But it it is pretty spectacular. I never thought. I wanted a truck uh, until I found out that you're a Raptor person. And then I went and looked into Raptors. And then the other thing was I watched Yellowstone. <laughs> now, now I don't know if, if it's like uh, you're supposed to want a truck because it can haul things and because it's a uh, four wheel drive and it can, you know, get through off terrain. I just like the luxurious nature of the Kevin Costner truck. And I went to a, sh- like a, a cowboy convention which is a discussion, I think, for another day. But I went to a cowboy convention oh, I, in Dallas. Why is there no video of this? I, it was I was the by far the most out of place person in that entire in that entire convention. But they had an area of that uh, convention where they had a Yellowstone truck exhibit, where they had the actual models and makes uh, and, and yeah, they, done. they mostly Dodges on Yellowstone uh, and and mostly Dooleys because they got to 
pull the big horse trailers and cattle trailers. So and, and they those did are some a tremendous big old job. trucks. They did a tremendous job of product placement in those shows, but the the trucks they had the stickers you could buy them and you could even get it with the Yellowstone decal, which I think is a step too far. But <laughs> they were 150 grand. So like they are they are like the nicest of nice trucks a human being can have. Yeah, I, I think most of the people using those types of trucks, they're they're writing them off as a business expense because they actually have a farm or a ranch and they need them to pull things. So that's probably not what you're aiming for. I've seen your driveway. I don't even think you could fit one. But if you do if you do get one of those, you have to put the Yellowstone Dutton yeah. logo on it. Yeah, if my uh, fiance wishes I was Rip, I'll tell you that. Uh, and I am the exact opposite of Rip in every possible way. Go, go watch Dazed and Confused and see Rip with his actual hair. Go watch it, the breakup. It will blow your mind. <laughs> so I'm having a major dilemma with my car shopping right now, and we can get into that at the end of the show. We can get into that now. We can get into it now. What the heck? Okay. We don't know if we don't know what's going on with Brian Harson, so we, we, we can we can get into it now. Okay. So I want to buy a tr- uh, SUV. Okay, mm-hmm. and Britt is convinced that I have to have one because we have a baby now, and absolutely, we might be extending our family in the future, and it's important to have a have a four door uh, SUV. So I was looking at the new Jeep Grand Cherokees because I really like the new body They're style, the nice. two row. I've, I've rented some of those; They're very nice. The sticker on those they start at forty eight, and the ones that are cheap with the cloth seats and the two wheel drive and. They're 48. And if you want to get one that's got leather seats and, you know, the sunroof that you like and all that, it gets up to 58, 60,000 bucks. And I'm like, am I really going to want to spend 60 grand on a Jeep Grand Cherokee? Probably not. So then I start looking at other things. I looked at used Chevy Tahoes. And granted, mm-hmm. I understand that we're in a really bad time to buy a car right now. Weird, okay. weird supply chain issues, very hard to find. Yes. Gently used cars. So I looked at Tahoe's. If you want one from 2018 with 50,000 miles on it, you can get one under 50. But that's a $100,000 car brand new and anywhere between 60 and 90, depending on which used one you want. So I've found that like there are there's a major gap. There's either you can get a really cool car that's expensive that you like that's manly, which is important to me, or you can drive a Ford Edge. Like there's no middle tier forty five fifty thousand dollar SUV that like I would personally want. So it's like I'm finding myself gravitating toward very expensive cars because I don't want to spend I don't want to spend fifty five thousand on a used Ford Explorer. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I feel like an asshole for trying to get really expensive cars as a sports writer. And then I go all the way down into like the thirties, and now you're talking about like uh the smallest of small SUVs. So I'm in a weird place where I want to buy a car. I have some money to buy a car, but I don't know what to get. And I don't, and it has to be an SUV and it's been mandated by my fiance. I will, I will tell you, and I don't think this will help you completely decide, but this should help you narrow it down. Get something that you're not going to hate in two or three years. Get something that you will keep until you have paid it off and hopefully beyond when you have paid it off. Like that's, that's the beauty. We, we had a, a 2007 Honda pilot that was the greatest thing ever. It was fantastic. We had that thing for 11 years. So paid it off, kept on driving it. I'm sure someone owns it right now and loves it. It it was a great vehicle. You, you You check the prices of Honda pilots lately. Oh, I know how much they cost. I, I had a, a 2016 before I, that I traded in on the, the truck. And it's a feminine car. No offense. I'm not worried about that. You're not worried about that. I'm worried Why? about that. I just want to have a cool car. The Dallas social scene. I want to look, you know, cool. You you make it cool. It doesn't make you cool. That's yeah. that's the thing. And and the my mother-in-law drives a Lexus RX, which I think you can get a, a pretty good deal on if you find the right one. I've always been a buy a car used person because I don't like taking the depreciation hit. Mm-hmm. But now that the used prices are out of whack, it don't actually make sense to buy a new car for the first time in human history. But I feel like that's a mom car. Like I'm a dad, but I don't want to be. I don't want to be. You want to look cool. I want to look. Co- I want to be cool. I want a Raptor. I want something cool. You get a, a cool pickup. car. You don't have to. You don't have to get a Raptor. You can get a pickup truck that has a crew cab. And the back seat is very comfortable, and the baby's very safe in the back seat of that. 
And if your your family expands, you can put three what kids in the What truck am I going to get for less than sixty thousand bucks? That has a crew you, cab and isn't a Ranger. You can you can probably get a used crew cab, either F one fifty Silverado, Ram, for less than that with 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 the leather seats if it's used. Yeah, it's, and then it has fifty thousand miles on it, and it's just like yeah, but it's yeah, but it's going to run for three hundred thousand miles. I I. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I saw a used Porsche Cayenne for 64 with no. 30,000 miles on it, and I'm thinking to myself, would I rather have a Porsche or would I rather have an F-150? Well, if you want to have one, you need to learn to pronounce the name of the brand. Porsche. It's Porsche. There you go. Porsche. So, I, well, if you want to look cool, I mean, you stepping out of that F-150, like you stepping on that running board and coming off. Yeah. You're going to you're gonna feel like Rip. I'm pretty clumsy. Could you Brit, imagine Brit's me? Gonna, Brit's yeah. going to be your Beth Dutton. That would be funny. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll look into trucks. You, you can help me find a listing of a reasonable. Also, you own a house now. There are things you're going to have to do at your house. That truck will come in handy. Like, there will be large things you want to buy, and you're like, oh, I'll go pick it up. You've like, met me. I just don't know if I can pull the truck off. You, you definitely can. Like my brother-in-law is about to buy a new grill. He's got an SUV. I'm going to get that phone call one day. Hey, can you come get this thing for me? Well, yeah. Yeah, I can. Cause I got a truck. So, okay. Well, after the show's over, send me listings and I'm not, I don't want to buy a 2016 with 48,000 miles on it. All right. For $51, well, we'll, we will, we will work on yeah. it. I re, I do realize that the pickup truck costs have, have gotten pretty high. So they're very expensive. It, yeah. it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, hard we'll have to we'll have to find a good deal but we will try we'll be right back after these words looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What kind of pickup truck do you think being the head coach at Auburn gets you? Like, what's the deal? Because you know, they always have the dealer cars. You think that's a King oh, yeah. Ranch situation? Yeah. I mean, what if you're making that kind of money, you should just get it anyway. Now, do we still think that Brian Harson is going to have to turn his in? Because he went to the SEC coaches meeting on Thursday. And I remember I was talking to somebody on Wednesday, and they're like, well, you can't go to the meeting. I'm like, why not? Why can't he go to the meeting? What, what does it matter if he goes to the meeting? What matters is if he's still the coach by spring practice. Right. And that seems to be the, the, you know, the issue here is I don't know how you continue if you're Brian Harson. Now, obviously, if they don't try to fire you, if, if they say, well, we're going to keep you, then, then you're going to keep coaching. But, but they've essentially kneecapped you. So the best situation for, for everyone involved here is they – write him a check and and he goes and you know does whatever he does with it and they go find a different coach because I, I'm convinced, Ari, that this this really comes down to recruiting. They they're doing this investigation. They're trying to find stuff. I I, I think it's to to lure or, or eliminate the buyout. But I'm convinced this comes down to recruiting because do you do you know what the top ranked player in Auburn's class, do you know where he would have ranked in Alabama's class? Can I just make a flat out guess? Yes. Um, how many signees did Bama have? Like twenty six. I would like say that. I would say f- seventeen. He would have been number eighteen. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what the problem is. That is the root problem. Is and and uh, the more I think about it, the more I think I know why this went down. Now, obviously, we can go back to last year. They fire Gus Malzahn. You don't really know who's in charge. You have the group that tried to install Kevin Steele right away, and they they get rebuffed. 
And so they, they go on a search and Billy Napier doesn't want it. And Brent Venables doesn't want it. But Brian Harson did kind of tickle the fancy of a, a certain kind of Auburn person. And it's the certain kind of Auburn people who, who make a lot of the decisions there where a lot of the guys there that, that played for Pat Dye, you know, that they, they, they embrace the, the tough, gritty, we had three-a-day practices, all that stuff. And so that, that probably appealed to them. But the problem is that type of person doesn't necessarily work in the modern SEC if they aren't also getting elite talent. Nick Saban coaches people hard. Kirby Smart coaches people hard. Jimbo Fisher co- coaches people hard. But they recruit elite talent. And that's the difference. If Brian Harson went in there thinking he was going to outgrit people, and given what he signed... That certainly seems to be what he thought. I don't know how you how you go on. First of all, the thing I'm going to say, and you will agree with, is that anything that you can put after the statement, but you need to get good players, is true. Like You need to get good players is step one, no matter what your strategy is. And I do find it funny that there is a sect of people, and in some maybe even in coaching, that believes that you can outgrit people as if the teams that are accumulating NFL draft pick caliber players out of high school also aren't working very hard. Right. You absolutely can outgrit people if your talent is close to equal. You can have right. less talent and outgrit somebody, right. but you can't have dramatically less talent and outgrit somebody. And I think the, the idea of again. outgritting somebody too is probably more conducive to beating them in a one game thing rather than the right. foundation of your program. Right. It's and like, I, I don't think the, you can outgrit somebody into a top 10 program. And the problem for Auburn is, and, and this would be, this is the same problem for any school in the sec West is because you have to play all of these teams, but especially for Auburn, because not only do you have to play Alabama, LSU and Texas A&M every year, you also have to play Georgia every year. The one game, so you might be able to win one of those games doing this. You will not be able to win all four, and you probably won't be able to get to win two. Yeah, and it just goes back to the same discussion that we always have about coaching candidates. It's like to me, you know, like Oregon, for instance. What, like, what do we think about Dan Lanning at Oregon right now? You know, and it's it's very early on, but he has a very good reputation. It's like if you're going to be the head coach at Auburn, or you're hiring the head coach at Auburn. Do you want to get somebody who has shown in the past that they can recruit under evaluated guys and and find the diamonds in the rough and develop them? Or if you're Auburn's head coach, do you want to go find the guy that was a part of Georgia's staff for four or five I years? want Cam Newton again. That's what I want. And then do you think that the person who was coaching Boise State, it doesn't even matter if it was Arson or not, is the right person to get you Cam Newton? Or is it the guy that coached at, at, at Georgia under Kirby Smart for five years? Right, exactly. And, and look... That's what they went for. They went for that with Billy Napier, who had worked for Nick Saban. They went for that with Brent Venables, who was working with with who had worked for Bob Stoops and who had worked for for Dabo Sweeney. They went for that. They didn't get it. But you're exactly right. That is what they have to do. It's the same thing I wrote when when Florida was open, and I said you need to think what is Kirby Smart doing right now. How do I find someone who will who will look at what Kirby Smart is doing right now and try to do that or better, like. Whoever Auburn hires, and I do think they're still going to have to make a hire. I, I, I realize that as we record this, Harson is still in office, but I, I don't think that lasts too long. They have to go, what is Nick Saban doing right now? What is Kirby Smart doing right now? Who can we hire who will try to do the same things they do? Yeah. You know, and I actually have to make an admission here. Like when Florida hired Billy Napier, I was a little concerned because it kind of gave me the same feeling. And obviously Billy Napier's past and working under some very legendary head coaches helps that dynamic. But I thought Florida is complaining and upset with the way things were going and recruiting with Dan Mullen. And then you went and got a guy out of the group of five. I'm a little bit nervous about that. And then he has been awesome so far. Well, well, and that's when he was a power five assistant, he could recruit like that. And, and so I think that's the that's what matters. And, and actually, when he was the the head coach at Louisiana, he had the biggest staff because he convinced the administration to let him hire the biggest staff. And they had better talent usually than the teams they were playing, you know, because it's all, you know, sort of levels. And you get 
if you have better talent than than Coastal Carolina or Appalachian State, then that's that's good. That means you're so, probably going to win that league. I don't know if we came up with a thesis here. You tell me if you agree. Okay. If you are a powerhouse SEC program or any program for that matter that expects to compete for a national championship, yep. and you want to hire a new coach, and you decide that that coaching candidate is a group of five head coach at the moment. Does that group of five head coach absolutely have to have assistant coaching experience at another powerhouse within the previous five years? Because when you go look at Brian Harson's resume, I think he has one year of his entire coaching career uh, dating back to 2000, where he spent time at a power five program out of the last 20 years. So you look at Billy Napier's resume and you think, well, he was a pretty high-ranking assistant at some major programs. And then you look at Brian Harson, and it's like, this guy's only really coached at a right, different the, the level. The time at Texas, yeah. Yeah, the, the one year at Texas, it's not the same qualifications for the job for the two people. Well, so what I would do, because I don't want to completely exclude group of five head coaches. Like Jamie Chadwell is an interesting example sure. because he's never he's never been an assistant at the power five level. And I think that's what's, what's kept are you going to hand him a job at a program that expects to win a national championship next year. Well, and that's why he hasn't gotten one because they're looking at that news and they say, well, you've succeeded in division two. You've succeeded in FCS. You've succeeded at the group of five, but we have no idea if you or your staff can recruit at this level because none of you have. And that's, I think that's why despite his success at coastal Carolina, these big jobs in the South, he's not really been able to get a lot of traction for. I, I don't want to exclude those guys, but here's here's the thing you have to figure out. If it's someone who has not been an assistant at that level, will they be as maniacal as Nick Saban, as Dabo Sweeney, as Kirby Smart on the recruiting trail? And that you can figure out from what they've done in the past. You can watch how they work. You can talk to, to people who've worked with them. Are they going to every high school they can go to? Are they establishing every relationship? Are they shooting for the moon and recruiting, trying to get guys that they should have no business getting and and almost talk, and at least talking them into thinking about it? Like That's the kind of person who has a chance. It's much better if you've had experience recruiting at that level and you can say, look, I recruited this guy here. I got this guy to sign here. I, I can go into a five-star's house and I know what they are looking for and what they need to hear. Maniacal is a really good way of putting it. I think you know if a person gets it very quickly, I think. Mario Cristobal is a maniacal recruiter. Like, I know that Miami will enough? have really good players because he is a maniacal recruiter. But is it enough, or do you also have to have, like, Mario Cristobal's past as an assistant at a pretty good program, if you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. That also I, I would plays into that, a fact. I would argue that Mario that. Mario Cristobal was was this was as maniacal a recruiter when he was the head coach at FIU before he ever worked for Nick Saban. But the wider world didn't know that until after he worked for Nick Saban. But it's all about qualifications. Let's just like kind of compare this to like working at Costco. You get a job when you're 18. You work at Costco. You are a, a person who stocks shelves. Then mm -hmm. you get a raise and a promotion, and then all of a sudden you're a bag person, right? Then they get the next raise, and you're a cashier. Then the next raise, floor manager, or where, however. the Next raise, you don't go from bag boy to store manager. You don't step over three no. or four spots. And even if that bag boy had a you, maniacal... You, you do in the... You do in the NFL if if your yeah. fellow bag boy was was Sean McVay, but yes, everybody else is is in, in college yeah, is a different story. Like if you yeah. but like if in in college, the bag boy might be very passionate about making sure and understanding how the store can do things to capitalize its uh, sales, but you still have to do steps in between to prove you can do it. So for me, I would be a maniacal recruiter. I think but I would have to go through years and years of experience in order to be a qualified head coach. So I think that there is something to the idea of possessing that trait first and foremost. And the crystal ball point that you made about being maniacal at FIU is, is a good one, but also Lord knows how much that man learned 
from Nick Saban in the in the year or whatever he was there. He, and then, he certainly learned a lot about infrastructure. And then the other thing too that's what he asked for when he when he got the Oregon head coaching job is I want their infrastructure. And I don't know if I'm going to be the the breaker of news here, but you also have to have experience recruiting the type of kid. Like the Correct. recruiting experience isn't just well he he was a great recruiter at group of five school X. So he's definitely going to be a good recruiting. The best two or three star players that you can find is a very different experience than recruiting a five star to your school. There's more people involved. There's more handlers. There's more mess. There's more expectations. There's more stakes, like everything that is involved with it. It's just a higher level. It's like saying somebody can hit a fastball in single a, and then all of a sudden they're going to be the best hitter in, in the major leagues. You know, maybe they will one day, but I still think they need to like progress through the minors before right, they, they are need to qualified. show you they can hit a curve yes. and a slider. And it, well, and, and here's the the other part to that: if a coach comes in there and says, "Well, we don't need that ty- kind of player," if you're Auburn, interview's over. That's Walk it. out. Like you do need that kind of player. Like, I know, but is this you, a surprise to anybody? Apparently, it's a surprise to the people at Auburn. Who Last hired Brian year, Harson? When Harson got hired, I was in Vegas. We did a podcast. We talked about what he needed to do at Auburn to succeed. I remember this specifically. I was very hungover, and uh, uh, we uh, <laughs> we were discussing that he could have an element to his program that el- illustrated the the traits of grit and illustrated you know the ability to find underappreciated talents. But the main tenant of his success at Auburn was always going to be his ability to sign players that Alabama wants, to sign players that LSU wants, Florida wants, Clemson wants, Ohio State wants. And he did not do that a single time in an entire class. No. No, and and that's the problem. That's that's not changing. Like he can't come back now and say, "Well, I realize I made a mistake. It's too late. We already know you don't even know how to do it." Like you wouldn't even know where to start. What's the mistake? The mistake is the mistake was made by the administration, not by the coach. Correct. Right. Not yeah. by Brian. Brian Harson did exactly probably what he told them he was going to do. And that's it's not going to work. And go look at what Billy Napier is doing. Like, because we're making a comparison to first year head coaches at programs that have won and expect to compete at some point for a national championship. Napier accomplished more in a month and a half, not just landing players, but getting Florida involved in the types of players they've been starving to be involved with in a six week period than Harson did an entire year. Yeah. And, and that's, we'll see if that's a difference because everybody keeps saying, well, that means all that means Florida is going to be great. No, it means Florida has paid the price of admission. Now that's right. It doesn't mean you're going to succeed. It just like, will Muschamp got Florida in on great players and signed great players but they still didn't win. So that's the price of admission. Then you also have to be a great coach. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Yeah, it's like moving to New York. Some people just don't have the uh, the guts to do it. But once you get there, you still have to make it, you know, and uh, maybe that's a terrible analogy, and I try too oh, hard. Oh no, to be it's it. a it's a great analogy because it it moves us into the next topic we need to talk about, which is you versus the state of Oklahoma. This was some of the most fun I had all week was watching you spar with the residents of Oklahoma, and this came from I believe it came from the Lincoln Riley interview with Colin Cowherd, and everybody was was up in arms because Lincoln Riley has become the ultimate villain in college football, which I, Hey, listen, I say lean into the heel turn, be the heel, be Bobby, the brain Heenan of college football. I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to try to do that. I think he should. I think he should be like, well, I, I left because I didn't want to live in the dust anymore. I, I wanted to live by the beach. Like he should cut promos. And you tweeted very sarcastically, I personally would never imagine leaving Norman, Oklahoma for Southern California. Quite sarcastically. Which Do you want to know where it came from? Sure. Oklahoma's governor gave oh, a state of address. Right. That's right. That's said, right. Can you Bob's, imagine leaving a place yeah. like Norman, Oklahoma for a place I like I almost Southern said Bob California. Stitt, who is a football coach. Stitt yes. is the last name Bob of Bob Stoop Stitt. Yeah, Bob Stitt. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I was just joking because it was just like, I understand that when you're a person who lives in Oklahoma or is holding public well, office also, in Oklahoma. Also, do you know who imagined people leaving Oklahoma for California? John Steinbeck. Very famously. <laughs> the Grapes of Wrath. Like. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yes. I should have hit so, them with some, some classic literature on, on Twitter. There you so go. So here's the problem that I have. Um, I've got I've got a ton of problems. You know this about me, but yes. One, I was just making a joke and poking fun at the governor. I wasn't poking fun at people in Oklahoma or people who live in Oklahoma or have civic pride. I understand if it's your home, you love it there. I think Oklahoma City is a very underrated town. It, it people just don't appreciate if you just call it like the skid mark of America, right? I, I get that. All I said was. I cannot imagine leaving Norman, Oklahoma for Southern California as if like Southern California doesn't trump every other city in America. And then people lost their minds. And then people were tweeting at me like crazy stuff. Like I would never want to live in Southern California or how could you possibly think that you're a moron. And then I get pulled into these debates with people about things that are just like water is wet. And I don't even know why I do it. It's like, it's, it's addicting. It's like, if well, you polled a thousand people and you said, would you rather live in Norman, Oklahoma or Southern California? How many people would 990 out of a thousand? It's like, it's just, it's a, it's the one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like, what are we talking about? The vocal minority is the one who's going to respond to you on social media. So you need to understand. I lose that. my mind. I lose but, my but mind. I, I, can't, I, can't. I say this as someone who I like the little tiny college town I live in. Like I would prefer living where I live to living in Southern California. Well, like, here's I would the rather thing live here than Newport Beach. Here's so, the that's insanity. I I understand you think that. I feel that way. So I get where those people are coming from. What I do, but what they what they don't get, like I understand why you want to live there. I understand why lots of people want to live there. The weather is great all year round. The beach is right there. It rarely rains. Like it's awesome. That's it's, why so many people wanted to live there, and so many people move there. So you have to read the tweet of that I was that sparked uh, James, the whole yes James, this is he's he's saying this is why you would want to live in California over Oklahoma probably because you are a safe space needy liberal that loves tons of restrictions and regulations and that's totally fine just keep that stuff out of Oklahoma we are just fine his punctuation's not great are you live in Dallas Texas I know <laughs> that's the place everybody's leaving California for. To get less regulation. So, I don't think that they are. I I think certain companies are. I don't know that there are people there are people, people who are. are leaving California, but this statement of that's why half the city is moving. It's just like, no, well, it's not the, it's not the, like that at all. The more obvious reason for a lot of these moves is financial. Right. You get a lot more house in Texas than you get in the Bay Area or in Southern California. I play the Zillow game when I'm out in California for work. I play the Zillow game everywhere I go. It's it's funny. Like you see like a rundown 1500 square foot shack that costs five times as much as your house. And you're like, oh, guess I can't yeah. live here. Yeah, because you can walk out of your house and it's 72 degrees in February and walk to the most beautiful beach in America. Yeah. See, I well, no. If, if I could walk to the beautiful beach, it would be like 10 times as much as my house or 15 times as much as my house. But yeah. see, I already, I already live somewhere where it's 72 degrees in February. So that's, that's the difference. Yeah. I think that um, here's the other, the other thing that gets dangerous. You say that you would never want to like you would rather live in uh, Southern California than Norman and Southern California is a very big place. And like people take that as just downtown LA, you know, and yeah, if I you might want to move, live in Carlsbad. Yeah. I would like to live in San Diego. I would like to Calabasas. live in Carlsbad, Calabasas, Malibu, Newport, Laguna, Huntington, Montecito. There you go. Is, is Santa Barbara South, Southern California, or how, how, where does that belong to? It feels like it's right kind of on the line, if, you, if you're going to It's an hour and a half north from Laguna Beach. Well, yeah, I, I, would keep, I would keep that there. I would say it's in Southern California. And it's just like, 
is it really that controversial of a statement to say that you would rather live in California no, I, than Norman? No, I think most people would rather live in the place where the weather's perfect and they're near the beach. And the, and the problem, too, is that everything is about politics now. You can't just make a statement like I'm a right. leftist uh, who needs safe. I don't even know what that tweet means. Right. Um, well, I live I live in Florida. So, like, if, if you want to near the beach, politically different than California, like, same thing. So we're, we're also wanted, near the beach. I, I would rather live in Gainesville than Norman. I'd rather live in Miami than Norman. I would rather live in uh, any other city that is close to the beach and is nice every day of the year. And like, here's the thing that I can't stand about Twitter. And the thing I can't, that I just need to like, let go of is that if you make a statement, then that statement isn't a statement. It is you making fun of another place. I was making fun of the governor for making fun of somebody for leaving Norman for, for California as if that's some crazy thing to do. And then everybody took that as me taking a dump on Norman as a town. I like Norman. I've been there. It's a great college town. I've covered a game there. It's exactly what you would expect from a powerhouse program. Great James place. James Garner grew up there. I have no Maverick problem with himself. Norman, Oklahoma. Jim Rockford. I, I grew up in Phoenix and I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona. I think it's a very beautiful place to grow up. I would rather live in California than Scottsdale. I'd rather live in California than Dallas. I'd rather live in California than Columbus. I'd rather live in California than Gainesville. So am I just like talking crap about everything? I'd just rather live in California than anywhere. Why don't I? Because my fiance has an incredible job in Dallas, and this is a good place to be a college football writer, and we are saving up money to be able to afford living there the right way. It's going to happen eventually. I can't wait. I don't know if I'd want to live in Southern California poor. I really, I really would like to see the Beverly Hillbillies, like you guys, just loading up the truck. The truck you're gonna buy. The truck you load it up. Is Granny gonna also, be the rocker it- on the in the bed? Also, I'm a very not political person, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. I spend zero time watching anything about politics. But isn't Orange County like one of the most Republican counties in the entire country? I'm probably the the second. Least informed yeah, like, person on this, but but so, yes, but leftist it, it means is. Democrat, right? Uh, usually, yes. Okay, so I think that people in Orange County are right, and then people not, in LA. I, I'm are not left. sure the average person defending Norman, Oklahoma, against all the hippies in California grasps the difference between LA County and Orange County. Okay, or yeah. various parts of LA County and Orange County, because LA so, County and Orange County are very different places. Very different places. So. Yes, I, I I understand where you're coming from, but I understand where they're coming from too because I like my little slice of heaven here and I wouldn't leave. Nobody is saying that's that you me. can't enjoy where you're from or where you live. Nobody said that. The I was civic, making fun of a political pride, figure. Civic that, pride is very strong on Twitter. And again, yes, if he just remembered his American literature class in high school... He wouldn't have said that. Who could okay. imagine leaving Oklahoma for Southern California? Well, we're talking about Lincoln. Riley. Everybody, everybody who went through 11th grade and read Grapes of Wrath instead of Of Mice and Men. Everybody is talking about this because Lincoln Riley did it. Yes. Why would Lincoln Riley have civic pride in Oklahoma? The guy spent from, six years of his entire he's life from in Mule Oklahoma. Shoe, Texas. He's not even from Oklahoma. <laughs> he's from Mule Shoe, Texas. Why would the so, good-looking thirty-eight-year-old man who coaches college football rather live in California? I can't imagine why. <laughs> and everyone's like, "Yeah, have fun traveling to the dump of South Central LA every day." Yeah. If there's one thing that I'm not worried about, it's it's Lincoln Riley's living situation. I think he's going to be doing just fine. The guy's probably making ten million dollars a year. I'm sure he'll figure out a way to make it really nice for himself. I am truly enjoying the Lincoln Riley villainy, though, because it. I, but Oklahoma, I do agree with you. It, has Oklahoma gotten madder than any other fan base of recent vintage at a coach leaving for another job? But I like, actually sympathize. Notre Dame with fans are not that mad at Brian Kelly well, for going to LSU. Didn't like him. I know they didn't truly like him. Here's the thing: I actually sympathize with Oklahoma fans. I think if you are a fan who loved their coach and saw Heisman trophies and playoff berths and somebody who learned from Bob Stoops and took over a great program and keep it going. 
you know, you feel a connection to that person. And I think it would be hard pressed to find a coach who did their former program dirtier than Lincoln Riley did. I mean, honestly, he left Oklahoma at a shocking time. Yes. And not only did he leave them, really good players from the Oklahoma program entered the transfer portal as a result of his departure. And then he also took their entire 2023 class, which, by the way, was already going to be a top 10 class no matter what with the five kids they already had. So, like, if you're mad at Lincoln Riley, I get it. Like, and the other thing that I can't stand about what Lincoln Riley is doing is he's, like, not being honest he is saying things that aren't lies, but he's not being honest. He said, I'm not taking kids from Oklahoma. I'm I'm taking kids from the transfer portal. And that makes sense. That's not a lie. That's true. But you can't say that and completely dismiss the fact that they are in the portal because you left. So like, it's, they're all connected. So like to you, to me, if I, I agree with you, just turn USC into the U and make everybody hate you and then have people Do come it. play for you who want to be hated, and that's it. So, like, Oklahoma people, I'm going to extend an olive branch. I'd rather live in California, and there's nothing that you could ever say that would ever make me change that. That said, I sympathize with your hate of USC. I understand your disdain for Lincoln Riley, and I will also say that I think it's very impressive. Oklahoma writer Jason Kersey and I had a phone discussion about this. Very impressive that he was able to get that class back into the top 10 with what was going on there. So, you know, it's not terrible, but go ahead, hate him. Everybody should hate him. That's kind of, every sport needs a good heel, right? Absolutely. It's good for TV. It's good for the sport. Like we we say it's good for the sport if USC is good. It's good for the sport if there's somebody everybody despises. Also, being a heel is marketable to the certain type of person too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there, there are a lot of players who get pumped up when they go out on the road and get booed. Like, that is that that gives them juice. Lincoln Riley needs to lean into that, find those What's more guys, fun than they, doing a rebuild at a place that has a million advantages, but also everybody hates? Oh, it's a dream it's, come it's, true. It's fantastic. Now, I will say, I think that Oklahoma people long-term, now, he's got to win, I think they'll like Brent Venables better than Lincoln Riley. I think they will. he will feel more like their kind of person. Provided yeah, he probably wins. like, you know what I think is really crazy too. And I've never, I think I might've interviewed Lincoln Riley on the phone one time, but Lincoln Riley strikes me as the type of person that might, well, just based on the behavior of going from Oklahoma to USC that he would, if, if he gets USC in the playoff in a few years, he would be a very marketable NFL head coaching candidate. And he's oh, yeah. the type of person based on his past behavior that would entertain that. So I think it's entirely possible that Oklahoma is a top 10, top five program still in 2029. And USC is back trying to find their next coach because Lincoln Riley's coaching the Minnesota Vikings. And especially in a time in which it's very cool in the NFL to hire young, handsome, bearded men to to. I, I mean, it's funny, but it's yeah. true. Like being handsome helps. So like, well, it, I, I, I mean, there's a deeper conversation that Robert Mays and I had last week that, you know, tied into the Brian Flores lawsuit that probably, you know, is a less funny version of what you're saying, but yes, that's yeah. exactly yeah, right. No, it's, yeah. And it, and some of it's funny and some of it's really serious, you know, and they're having yeah. real life discussions about diversity and all those things. And I think those are important, but you know, like sometimes I think if Cliff Kingsbury was 275 pounds, oh, would he be the head coach right. of the Arizona Cardinals? Probably These guys not. have a type. It, yeah. And if Sean McVay wasn't so damn handsome, maybe they wouldn't be looking for handsome coaches right now. That's, That's right. That, it's really, <laughs> yeah, like Sean, it's crazy. Sean McVay being handsome made being, it's like you want the coach that's going to run really fast on the treadmill in the morning and get really sweaty before he goes out and coaches the ball team with those headphones that go behind the ear. Like that's the oh, type yeah. of guy you want yeah, sitting in their house with all glass window, but you know how much that house I costs? feel like we're either recruiting Chippendales dancers or football coaches. It's one of the two, but yeah, it's the I don't same, know, but they're, we're, but we're there fishing from the same pond. It's like something marketable about a young forward thinking offensive mind. Cause it always has to be offensive. Oh um, yeah. Can't be a defensive that, guy. Yeah, so here's the thing that I'll say about Oklahoma. So what we're saying is there's probably like some 300-pound defensive assistant who's a genius that nobody is even giving the time of day to right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when Kansas went to the Orange Bowl, what what, what, what was the joke? Mangino, exactly. He took Kansas to the Orange to the Bowl, and Orange everybody's Bowl. worried about his weight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wake me up next time they're in a, in a 
a New Year's bowl game, and then yeah. we'll talk about Mangino's weight. But Oklahoma is in a very interesting position because Oklahoma, one of the first commitments that um, Brent Venables got for Oklahoma this year was a top 100 quarterback out of Texas. So I do think that if you have a defensive-minded coach the way that Venables was or is and was considered one of the best defensive coordinators in the country who can recruit Texas and still attract top-tier quarterback talent, then Oklahoma, as it pertains to the SEC, might be more equipped to compete in that conference in four years based on this change than they would have if they would have stuck with the finesse offensive mind football without the defense to get a stop and to you know beat Kansas State. So yep. it sucks for Oklahoma right now. I think USC is going to be in the playoff, and I think they're going to be in it fast. But I don't think that long-term I would count Oklahoma out of the discussion of being a better program than USC still in six or seven, eight, eight years. Cause it won't surprise me if Riley's in the NFL very shortly. Well, and the other piece of the Oklahoma one is you're going into the sec and you've hired a coach who's been recruiting against the elite sec schools for the last 10 years. He understands what they're looking for, what kind of players they're signing. And he's signed players like the ones they're trying to sign. So I, I think that helps. I just hope he doesn't bring the Dabo way to Oklahoma. Cause the Dabo way is extinct. I, I think he's willing to to adapt, and and you have to. You, you got to adapt. I mean, that's the, the whole thing. Speaking of adaptation, I know there's a lot of you out there that are going into the Super Bowl weekend, and, and you might be a little concerned. You might be going to a Super Bowl party. You might be worried, okay, they're going to be serving wings. What do I do? How do I, how do I handle it? Uh, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I've got a public service announcement that I've created for you. I can't wait to hear this. Hopefully, will help you and and make your Super Bowl weekend even better. So we're gonna we're gonna take a break right now. We'll play the PSA and we'll come back and and Ari and I will will discuss wings and Super Bowl weekend and just exactly how you should be eating them. It's come to my attention that there's a bunch of you out there who are not enjoying your wings as much as you could be. And as we go into Super Bowl Sunday, I want to make sure that you have the best possible experience. So as a public service to you from the Andy Staples Show, I'm going to show you how to make sure you enjoy your wings as much as humanly possible. Now, I know there's some of you out there who say, well, I don't, I don't eat wings because I don't like the bones and my hands get all messy. I just ordered the, the boneless wings or the tender. Okay, you're ordering off the kids menu. You are a grown-up, allegedly, ordering off the kids menu. Stop it. Get wings like an adult. And here's how you need to enjoy them. I was once like you in that I didn't enjoy all of the wing properly. We all know about the drumette. The drumette's really easy to eat. It looks like a drumstick. You know how to eat a drumstick. It's very simple. But when I was in college, I was an intern at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is 1999. I go to lunch one day with Carlos Frias and Michael Lee. These guys cover high schools for the paper. They went on to, to huge things. Michael Lee works for us at The Athletic. He covers the NBA. Carlos writes about food for the Miami Herald. Carlos should have known he had a career in food coming because he showed us the way. I said, I like the drums. I almost ordered all drums. We're at the Hooters in Five Points in Atlanta. And I was gonna order all drums. He's like, no, 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 no. Drums and flats. And I said, why? I don't like the flats. I can't get all the meat off of it. I gotta work too hard. He said, no, you need to learn the wing twisty. I said, what? He said, the wing twisty. The wing twisty will change the way you eat wings. You don't need two hands to eat a flat. That's the flat, that's the wing. When the bird flaps, that's what's doing the flapping. You do not need two hands to eat this. You need one hand. And you don't need to do anything weird. I've, I've, I looked for some YouTube videos because I figured somebody has already shown this technique on YouTube. But all the ones I've seen, they're like smashing the, the wing against the, the table and then getting the meat off. No, no, no. Just grip it right here at the bottom. Put it in your mouth. Twist. And you're done. Ready? Watch. Hmm. That is how you eat a wing. 
you might have a little spare meat, but you can you just grab it, eat it. I used my other hand there, sorry. But there, done. Boom. You grab another one. Just put it in your mouth. You get your teeth down a little bit, not all the way. It'll be too firm because then you can't get the bones through. And you just twist and pull. There you go. That's it. Now, you've got a clean hand. You're eating both sides of the wing. You're getting it done. You're an efficient wing eater and you're enjoying the experience so much more. So just do it. The wing twisty. It'll change your life. You're a national you wanna, treasure. If you want to see that, because you probably do need the visual aid, go to our YouTube channel, the Any Staple Show YouTube channel. By all means, smash that subscribe button. Uh, but you can watch that entire PSA and you can get the finer points of the wing twisty because there is a, you know, you you, you put it in them in your mouth and then you gotta you gotta hit the twist and then you pull and you get the perfect bite. Which one do you like better, drums or, or flats now? Flats, 100%. That, it's one of the best bites in food because of, of you can get that, because you can't strip all the meat off a drum because that that cartilage at the top of the, of the joint. So the flat, you can get all of it pretty much. Now, not always you're gonna get the perfect pull. You're not gonna get every little bit of meat off every single time, but you'll get most of it and then there's going to be a couple of little shards that you can just clean up. But sometimes you will get that perfect pull where you will get all of the meat, skin, all at once. And it is one of the best bites in food. I am a person who usually orders all drums. We got to fix that. But I don't dislike flats. I just think it's easier to dunk the side of the of the. It's a, is it, it a blue it's a cheese better, or sauce issue? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that, that makes more sense. But I will say, if you're doing the twisty, dunking is easy too. It is, yeah. In fact, it's a natural motion because you're holding one end of it. So you could dunk that and then and then grab, pull. I actually like a good dry rub better. I have a salt and vinegar rub at home that I put on wings that it's awesome. So do you I, fry them or how do you make them? Uh, I'll make them in the air fryer. I can make them on the grill. Um that's so what's the air fryer technique, though? Because I'm going to try to bust out air fryer wings for the Super Bowl. We're having some people over, and I want to try it. You, I, I'm not. I can't remember the exact numbers. It's like it's like 390. I want to say it's something like 10 minutes per side, maybe 11 minutes per side. L- look it up on the internet. Don't take yeah, my, yeah. My but what do you for do it, to, for the prep part? Very little. You just if you want to do a rub, you put your rub on there. You can do salt, or, or you can just do salt pepper. And maybe just a touch of olive oil. You don't need to do much. It's going to make the skin crispy no matter what, the way you're cooking it. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Now, they don't I love reheat a good wing. well. The air, the air fryer ones do not reheat well, but they are spectacular fresh out of the air fryer. They're really, really yeah, good. Yeah, well, there's going to be no leftovers, so it's the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I am a, a huge wing person, although I will say wings are really expensive right now. So... I don't know that we'll be having wings on Super Bowl Sunday. We may be actually be having drumsticks because wings right now at my grocery store are $4.99 or $5.99 a pound, depending on the brand. Drumsticks are $1.99 a pound. And those do give you nice bites, you know, because the, the drumette is a very small thing and there is a lot of work to be done. Like a big old drumstick, you just, you know, just start eating. I don't, I'll go into debt for the right food at my Super Bowl party. <laughs> I don't care if it's $12 a pound. What's, what is what is your preferred dip? Is it salsa? Is it... With wings? Uh, spinach artichoke. No, 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 no. I'm talking about oh. ch- for chips. Salsa, spinach artichoke, buffalo chicken. What What's your what's I your think spinach dip? artichoke's the best dip for a chip. But I also am a very big Fritos into bean dip. Oh, yeah. Well, especially... Living in that Texas can now. that they sell in the in the oh yeah and yeah I don't ever buy that but whenever I have it it's really good. Well, and, and there's a if if folks are in the grocery store and, and your store may or may not carry this like the where I live certain stores have it and some don't. Desert Pepper Trading Company black bean dip, get that, and you could put Fritos in it. You could put you know 
just plain tortilla chips, Tostitos, whatever. Put that in it. It's a spicy black bean dip. It is awesome. One time I went to a Super Bowl party, and it was my cousin's uh, house. Mm-hmm. And there were about 20 people there. And we made a list, and everybody had – it was a potluck kind of. Mm-hmm. And everybody had to go get this one thing. So, like, my assignment was Krispy Kreme donuts. I had to go get Krispy Kreme donuts. Very nice. One person had to go get Pizza Hut. So one this person is, this had is to like go, a Super Bowl party scavenger hunt. I love it. Yes. But one person had to go get Big Macs. One person had to go get chicken nuggets from Wendy's. Wow. And at the end of the road, it was a smorgasbord. It was like heavyweights. The movie Heavyweights. Have you seen that recently? <laughs> yes. Not recently. It was like there was a somebody had to get a 12-inch sub or a sub and cut it up. A bunch of subs. And somebody had to go get all the chips. And somebody had to get all the dips. And like at the end of the road. It was like you could have a Big Mac, a slice of stuffed crust pizza, chicken nuggets, and a Krispy Kreme donut on the same plate. And it was by that far the best idea. Super Bowl I've ever been to. That's a, a really that's a, it's a great idea because one, you're spreading out the cost of of feeding everybody. Two, you're it would be very hard for the host to go to all those places and right. have it. In a, in, a, in a way that you could serve it right. Because, like, the Big Mac kind of needs to come from McDonald's pretty recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Ditto for your Pizza Hut pizza and all those. Now, that one you can get delivered. I guess, I guess now you could have delivery companies do it. But back when you did it, this was probably, I'm assuming, pre-DoorDash. Pre-Uber and, and Eats, and yes. Yeah. So that's, a, that's just brilliant. And... The whole potluck thing's cool because people kind of take ownership. Well, I brought this and I brought this. So, ah, that and I'm is, a big variety person. Yeah. We're that, I'm stealing that idea. We might be doing that for 4th of July. And it was like the, one of those. it was like the, uh, it was by far the worst meal I've ever had for like me in terms You're ter- of, in terms of health. health. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm sure. Uh, but it was, uh, it was one of the best meals I've ever eaten. But, like, have you ever known the joy of taking a big bite out of a Big Mac and then your next bite is the back of a stuffed crust pizza? That is pretty spectacular. I, yeah, mixing burgers and pizza is a. (laughs) And, like, it was like funny, too, because we had a bunch of French French fries and we had like a pop, a bunch of popcorn bowls filled with McDonald's French fries. (laughs) And, And again, something that needs to. To come straight, yeah, and it was all recent, out of the fryer yes. and right to it, yeah. So I think that, we were all wow. in food comas by the by the uh, middle of the first quarter. Oh yeah, that's that's one of those that that you are going to overeat. You're going to overdo it because how can you not? If if there's a pile of McDonald's fries and a pile of Pizza Hut pizza and a pile of Krispy Kreme donuts, you're going to want some of all of it. One of them was Taco Bell tacos. It was honestly, I, I can't remember everything that we had. Doritos Locos tacos. We had a bunch. Of, we a- had a bunch. It was like a. It was just like basically, if you saw the Donald Trump uh, Super Bowl celebration, I don't remember what team it was, but he had all the fast food laid out. Have you mm-hmm. seen that picture? Obviously, yes. Of yeah. him holding, it was like that. I I would have no pride because I remember everybody complaining about that. I was like, I would eat. I was all like, of I would stuff. love that. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> Did you tremendous. see the corner of the picture where there was a bunch of filet fishes stacked up? Come on, man. <laughs> of course. Of course. So, yeah, I, that is a great idea. So if you haven't already decided on the menu for your Super Bowl party, just steal Ari's friend's idea because that is fantastic. Yeah. But if you get wings, just remember, wing twisty. Because people are going to leave the flats for you. There, there are people they're who cowards. have not. Yeah, they're cowards. And they're going to eat the drumettes. And you're going to have a big pile of flats there, and you can just go to town. And also, people are going to come and be like, how are you doing that? And you'd be like, I know a guy. I used to, well, the way I would eat, I, I would eat flats before I saw your trick there was I would take the smaller of the two bones, mm-hmm. and I would rip that off first. Right. And, and, and pull and that off. There are a lot of people who will do the, the twist in their hands and pull the bones out. But the key to, the, the reason you do it this way is so you only have to use the one hand if necessary. Yeah, like, you're using your teeth as the vessel. Exactly. So, and and look, I realize that some people think it looks a little Cro-Magnon. I don't care. Yeah. Usually when you're eating wings, it's not like you're at yeah. Mastro's. Like you're, you can, you can, you're, li- you're already it. eating with your hands. So <laughs> yeah. it's already it's, all over the place. Just yeah, live your, yeah. live your life. You, you have crossed the Rubicon. Ari, it's been a pleasure. Let's say we come talk after the Super Bowl. Sounds good to me.
All right. Hopefully, I will have had some I can't wings or some promise you that I'm not going to be that my breathalyzer is going to be 0.0, but I'll do my best to keep it together for you. Well, that'll make the show even better. We'll talk to you later.